In February 2023, a devout Muslim woman walked into a Baptist church in Arkansas, took the microphone from the pastor, and started talking about Islam. And I decided that I have to just get up and um, raise awareness about my faith. And Her name was Sophia Saeed, from Pakistan, wearing a headscarf. She proceeded to talk about her faith, her experience in the United States, what she and other Muslims had in common with Christians. She was welcome in the building. She had been invited. In fact, she was there to be honored by Second Baptist Church in downtown Little Rock. A Muslim woman walks into a Baptist church. It's not the beginning of a joke. Rather, it's another scene in the long story of how we reach for the heavens and what happens when we do. From Good Faith Media, this is the six-part narrative podcast, A Second Language, Episode 1, Seal the Lips. I'm Cliff Vaughn, a writer and producer at Good Faith Media. The culture wars have intensified in our institutions. Church, business, family, school, sports, health care, the military. Conversations around justice are begging to be had. They're also being shut down at seemingly all costs. Wokeism is shorthand for our day's perceived boogeyman, and the fight is now raging wherever and whenever we seek to learn the truth of our history. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools. Now we will defeat woke radicalism and a continuation of communism because that's what this is heading for. So much of what these parents were reading was not true in these textbooks. They knew that racism was not a basis for American history. They and that's just a sample of what politicians are saying. Pastors say things, too or not. Here's Preston Clegg, the current pastor of Second Baptist Church in downtown Little Rock, talking to me for this podcast. I'm most grateful to be in a church where I can, and I'm expected to preach the truth and love as I see it, and not hold back, and not be quiet about things that gospel compunction demands I speak to. And here's one of Clegg's predecessors, Dale Cowling, who in 1997 was reflecting on his long tenure at Second. During those 25 years, not one single time did it ever come up in a deacon's meeting or in a committee meeting to censure me or to dismiss me as pastor. That, my friends, is the mark of a great church, a church that leaves its pulpit free. And one more comment, this one from Second Baptist Church member Brooks Hayes in 1959. So the church must never apply political or social or economic pressures to seal the lips of a preacher or a teacher. And that's fundamental and basic. But there are a lot of people that don't, don't feel that way about it. They're ready to apply those pressures when actually 
the preacher who tries to reveal the truth and bring enlightenment to these problems is serving the listener, though he displeases the listener. Sometimes we are best served by hearing things that displease us. So it's actually not in our best interest. To seal the lips of a preacher or a teacher, and that's fundamental and basic. It's relatively easy for white, straight Christians, like me, like most of Second Baptist's members, not to talk about disturbing things. Talking about them is harder, more dangerous, potentially more divisive. Notably and ironically, division often comes over inclusion. Who gets included? Who gets a voice here? Who is genuinely welcome in this space? Take Sophia Saeed, the Muslim woman from Pakistan. How was it really? that she came to speak at Second Baptist downtown. More on who she was and what exactly happened later in the story. In this story of how a church talks about the hard things, sometimes the wrong things, sometimes it doesn't talk at all. Are we reaching for the heavens? What happens when we do? What happens if and when we speak of ideas that are, for the moment perhaps, unpopular, even to some or many of the church's members? I've been writing and producing stories about churches and church people for more than 20 years. I've seen that each religious institution carries its own myths and legends, facts and histories, characters and moments. Second Baptist's collection of all of these things is stunning, and it likely has something to do with sometimes trying to tell the truth or a truth that can get everyone in trouble, that can send members to exits and budgets into oblivion that can make an institution implode. One of the most dangerous ideas out there is one of inclusion, unity, oneness, cooperation. Talk too much about what we have in common and pushback ensues, sometimes, often, from religious quarters. All this is part of the second story. When many people outside the city hear the name Little Rock, one of the things that comes to mind is the city's school integration crisis in the late 1950s. The mob again gathered in front of the Central High School of Little Rock. It was a moment on the world stage, and that moment ran through Second Baptist Church in significant ways that we'll explore later. This church's story has percolated in my mind for a couple of years, and I'm struck by how much the church's story, within the context of Little Rock, still tracks with our national conversations. For example, one of the movers and shakers during the integration of Little Rock schools was Daisy Bates, an African-American activist and newspaper publisher. In 1962, she wrote a book about those times, The Long Shadow of Little Rock. It holds stories of violence, courage, determination, tragedy. Eleanor Roosevelt penned the book's forward, saying, This is a book which I hope will be read by every American. It is simply told and easy to read but not pleasant. Here's John Kirk, a civil rights scholar and distinguished professor of history at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. I wanted him to weigh in on the importance of being honest about history, including Little Rock's history specifically. Be honest and forthright about it and face it head on. You know, there's, there's, a, there's another school that would say it should be handled with care and, you know, it should be sensitively handled and those kinds of things. But, you know, it wasn't sensitively handled at the time, you know, and you have to realize the kind of uh, 
brutality behind it and you know what underpin these things and if you don't really have a very clear-eyed view of um you know the the kind of violence and the division that lay behind all of this you don't really get a true perspective of what was going on at the time so i you know it has to be confronted forthrightly and honestly and transparently i think and has to be presented as it was in other words confronting unpleasant truths and facts is a necessary step toward liberty and justice for all. This is why some political efforts to turn American history into public relations for American exceptionalism are problematic. I asked Reverend Clegg why many Southern whites bristle at the word justice. Like a pastor, he quoted scripture, and like a Second Baptist pastor, it had currency. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly, I say this often, that that did not come from a, a woke talking head on television. That, that's been around for a while. And it was first spoken by someone who helped shape the Judeo-Christian tradition. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. That's what a long ago Jewish prophet named Micah said God requires of us. For Reverend Clegg, some of what gets labeled wokeism in derogatory terms is really just understanding the Bible, if you will. But that verse, Micah 6.8, is particularly meaningful to Second Baptist Church. You'll hear why later. This podcast, A Second Language, will be right back after this word from Christians Against Christian Nationalism. I'm Amanda Tyler, Executive Director of BJC and Lead Organizer of the Christians Against Christian Nationalism campaign. Christian nationalism is a political ideology that seeks to merge Christian and American identities. Christian nationalism harmfully suggests that to be a good American, one must be Christian, or that to be a good Christian, one must be American. Christian nationalism distorts both the Christian faith and America's constitutional democracy. As a Christian and a constitutional law expert, I know that when religious authority is melded with political authority, it tends to marginalize our fellow Americans and undermine our own spiritual health. For more on the campaign, visit ChristiansAgainstChristianNationalism.org. Welcome back to A Second Language from Good Faith Media. This podcast is not a church history of Second Baptist. It's not a comprehensive listing of every pastor and program, building and budget, no. This podcast is about a church that has sometimes reached for the heavens, in my view, in a city that has been dancing with ghosts, to use a phrase from Preston Clegg. The church's relationship with the city is key to understanding Second. Here's Reverend Clegg again chatting with me about this over coffee at one of his favorite spots downtown, Community Bakery. I think uh, there's a synergistic relationship between Second Baptist and Little Rock. If you took Second out of downtown Little Rock, I don't think either would be the same. Um, there are historical reasons for that, and Second has, has been intrinsically related in the DNA of this city and yet the city is also part of our church's story. The city's story and our church's story converge so often it feels like you're telling the same story. Uh, and, and in a way you are, and we like it that way. And Second Baptist isn't just downtown, it's downtown in the state's largest city. 
in the state's capital. And so this this notion that we're not going to talk about public things or we're not going to talk about political things, that, that just, that, that's a dissonant sentiment at second. Because we're a few blocks from City Hall, we're a few blocks from the state capitol. I have people with political ties all over the sanctuary on any given Sunday. And so to speak to public matters, to speak to political matters, uh, and do it well, I think that's an expectation at second. This is a story about a mostly white Baptist church in the South and what its experience can teach us about life and death, hypocrisy and honesty, faith and fear, the risk and reward of talking about hard things, seeking to include, trying to gather that which has been scattered. Gathering that which has been scattered, unifying that which has been divided, these are controversial endeavors nearly as old as time. Of course, not everyone loves Second Baptist downtown. I had my own punch list of what its critics say, and it generally tracked with what Reverend Clegg said when I asked him about the charges leveled by the church's critics. Fast and loose with scriptures, um, divisive, maybe a little more engaged in the public arena than a church should be. I, I think those are the sentiments that detractors of Second would say. Second Baptist downtown has been and remains predominantly white. All of its senior pastors have been male. While those may be requirements or preferences in other churches, they stand as facts that rub against the generally progressive nature and reputation of Second. We'll talk more about this later in the podcast. We'll hear from some of the church's pastors. Progressive DNA has been there from the beginning. Church members. Sometimes I have to stop and think about it. In the back of my mind, there's shadows of what I used to know. Interfaith friends. Islam, and I would think Christianity and Judaism also teach us that God hates arrogance. As well as historians. Things could descend pretty quickly into uh, chaos as in any other part of the South too. So it was a fairly thin veneer of progressivism that the city uh, had in the end. Community leaders. The denial, not wanting to talk about it. You know, I'm remembering Lonnie Dixon and everything. And others. He was just a different kind of guy. He was not a god. He was just a normal human being who God used. With me on much of this journey was a friend, Kevin Hefner, who lives in Little Rock. You'll hear him from time to time in interviews. He came to serve as a sort of unofficial producer. He's He's not a member of Second, but we could call him Second Adjacent. He grew up a Southern Baptist in Nashville, where I live. He has a multitude of connections not only to Second, but also all around Little Rock. And if there's a person in Little Rock to know, trust me, it's Kevin. In episode two, We'll go back to the church's early days, just after its founding in 1884 by six women and five men. Second Baptist grew in the 1890s. Those were days of poll taxes and railroads, bowl weevils, and new pictures that moved. Days when an aging Frederick Douglass visited Little Rock and delivered one of his famous lectures. Second Baptist was growing. It was talking about some things and ignoring others. Here's Reverend Clegg preaching to his congregation one Sunday morning several years ago. Did you know that on May 29, 1902, this congregation expelled a man? Did you know that? 
It's part of our history we don't talk about very often, but maybe we should. He was, on that day, the 20th governor of the state of Arkansas. Hear why the church kicked the governor out in the second episode of A Second Language from Good Faith Media. You've been listening to A Second Language, written, produced, and narrated by me, Cliff Vaughn of Good Faith Media. The executive producer is Mitch Randall. We hope you'll like, rate, and share the podcast. We are a nonprofit, and that really helps us out. Learn more about us at goodfaithmedia.org. Thanks to our interviewees, Kwame Abdul-Bay, Lanny Allenbaugh, Rebecca Cowling, Preston Clegg, Chris Ellis, Wendell Griffin, Stephanie Harp, Eric Higgins, Ray Higgins, John Kirk, Gene Levy, Jim and Gail Malik, Jenna Sullivan, and Sarah Tarek. Special thanks to my colleague, Starlet Thomas, who hosts the Raceless Gospel Podcast from Good Faith Media, and to Callie Chisholm for the artwork. And huge thanks to Kevin and Angie Hefner. Thanks to Lisa Spear and Taylor Lawson at the Washita Baptist University Archives, Taffy Hall at the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives, Carolyn Wilson in the Special Collections Research Center at the William and Mary Libraries, and Cassidy Long in Special Collections at the University of Arkansas. Other material comes from the archives at NASA, the Library of Congress, and the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. Thanks to Jim Pfeiffer and Sandra Hubbard, as well as Billy and Mark Heflin. Thanks to Patrick Fleming and Debbie Huff, Marquis Hunt, Joe and Charlotte Jeffers, Connie New, David Rice, and everyone at the Bramble Market. Thanks also to the Community Bakery in downtown Little Rock. Our music comes from Pond 5. If you are interested in learning more history about Little Rock and Arkansas, visit the fabulous Encyclopedia of Arkansas.net, a project of the Central Arkansas Library System. Our podcast show notes will list other helpful resources. Check out our other podcasts from Good Faith Media, including our first narrative podcast, Brother Molly, about the life and work of theologian Molly T. Marshall. A Second Language, released in August 2023 from Good Faith Media. We thank you for listening. 